Clay, do you want to do you want to start this one with your your conclave of eight <laughs> beliefs? Or I already you... I already have the tattoo, man. I know. I, as soon as as soon as it was whispered in a throwaway line of dialogue, I was like, "That's going to be important, and it's going to come up." And she's going to talk about it as though it's something everybody should know and matters and blah, 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 blah. And here we are, the Conclave of Eight. Not just the nickname Can't, for your abs. It's also no, also a, no. a star system. Yeah, I can't wait to see what that means when they finally get there. Yep. <laughs> We're talking about broken pieces today. Nothing... Nothing like adding a new mystery in the eighth episode of your ten episode season. Huh? I know, I know. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> well, they solved Boy. so many. They solved so many mysteries in this one that they had to add something to keep you going. Let's um, let's take a break. We'll play some music. We'll come back and we'll break down broken pieces. Okay, so Broken Pieces is the eighth episode of the first season of Star Trek Picard. It came out on March 12th, 2020. Written by Michael Chabon, directed by Maha Vervillo. I believe that's how you pronounce it. When devastating truths behind the Mars attack are revealed, Picard realizes just how far many will go to preserve secrets stretching back generations. All while the La Serena crew grapples with secrets and revelations of their own. Nerissa directs her guards to capture Elnor, setting off an unexpected chain of events on the Borg cube. I don't know where you want to start with this one. Um, I I watched this one twice. I, I'm willing to bet mm-hmm. you didn't. Um, hey, did, I do homework. Did, I didn't watch it twice. Did you? I, I have. Uh, I ride home on the train, obviously backwards and forwards, so I had a chance to watch it twice. Um, if you watched it once, what's your takeaway for overall quality? Like really quickly. Um, it seemed like a lot of uh, exposition. And a lot of uh, explaining stuff at length um, with a couple good scenes thrown in. And they almost did something interesting with Seven of Nine, but then they decided not to for some reason. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I it's It didn't really... Would you say it's one of the better episodes or one of the worst episodes of the season? Or like, is it somewhere in the middle? Did you not really think anything I, particularly of it? Yeah, it's kind of somewhere in the middle for me because, like, I, I, it's nothing about it made me super engaged, and nothing about it really made me say this is garbage. Like, it was better. It, it, the it wasn't the good stuff in it wasn't as good as last episode's good stuff, and the bad stuff in it wasn't as bad as last episode's bad stuff. Yeah. So I find it somewhere in the middle. When I watched it the first time. I came away thinking that I really enjoyed it. And I wonder how much of that was just due to the fact that you finally get answers to things in this episode quite a bit. Like ah, you, they gotcha. They, they, you, you get a lot of information and it is a lot of exposition, but at the same time, it feels like you're like, okay, now I, now I kind of know what's going on here. I watched it again a second time and I, I, I almost didn't realize like once you, <clears throat> once you understand what's going on with Rios, the Rio scenes are intern- interminably long. Like there, there's yeah. so much Rios and Rafi talking to the Rios holograms. And 
she talks to virtually all of them individually, then as a group, and then she talks to the real Rios. And none of those scenes really tell you anything until you get to the real Rios. And all the holograms are just like, talk to Rios, talk to Rios, talk to Rios, right. see what he says. Well, the thing that was driving me a little crazy about that stuff is she kept asking them, hey, have you seen Rios? Do you happen to know where he is? And they all say he's in his cabin, but she never goes to his cabin. Like yeah. it's a, like she doesn't know where it is or something. Yeah, it's not like she goes um, there and he <laughs> says, piss off, and then she goes and talks to the holograms or something. But I was... Well, that th- uh, that does happen, but... Oh, does that? that she goes... She, oh, she does leave him, doesn't she? And then she goes yeah, back. She go, yeah, she talks to the, to the holograms and says like, hey, do you know where he is? And they're like, I don't know, check his cabin. And she's like, yeah, hmm, maybe. And then she eventually, after talking to them, she goes and goes to the cabin and he tells her to fuck off. Is that when she has the group hologram scene? I think I think the group hologram scene is after that. Okay. That that would make sense. But regardless, it's um it's a lot of talking to those guys and they don't really tell you anything. And right. it, it stands out as like this just kind of a performance thing that they're putting into the episode. And I wouldn't have minded it if the if the idea of these holograms reflecting personality quirks of Rios was actually somehow involved in what she was talking to them about, but it doesn't right. really seem to be the case. It just seems like that's the setup for the idea. And then it's an excuse for the actor to put on different accents. And it's just, when I was rewatching it the second time, it's almost, it's probably like 20 minutes of the episode is dedicated to that. And it yeah, doesn't, it, it really doesn't feel like it needs to be that much. That's a hell of a report. You thought I was a desperate old man, quixotic, paranoid, possibly senile. Let's just leave it at quixotic. And now the windmills have turned out to be giants. You want an apology? I want a squadron. Jean-Luc. Clancy. Out there in the Vite system, right now, beings who have as much right to life and liberty as you and I, or Commander Data, are being hunted down by an enemy who seeks to exterminate them. Jean-Luc! No, Clancy, if you say this is not a job for Starfleet, then I'm sorry, but you are a waste of space. Admiral Picard, with all due respect, and at long last, shut the fuck up. I'm sending a squadron to rendezvous with you at DS-12. Now stay put until they get there. Clancy out. I'm surprised they didn't just do the one scene with all of them or something like, I don't know why you need to go. First of all, the first one, when she goes to talk to and she doesn't realize it's not him. Does she, he, he doesn't usually wear like classy cardigans. I'm sure he doesn't comb his hair. The real Rios doesn't comb yeah. his hair. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised that she was uh, uh, taken aback by that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like they probably could have cut to the chase pretty quickly with that. Um, Cause yeah, the only thing that you get, from all of them in basically every scene is that there is a blind spot in their memory that he has erased. Yes. And that he knows the original girl, the original John or whatever that girl, the original Soji uh, Android. Yeah. yeah. I feel like y- you don't get anything from talking to all of them that you couldn't get from talking to one of them. Yes, exactly. It, do- it doesn't really add anything. Rios is, is um, it's a strange storyline. It is bizarre that he's linked to them this way. Who yeah. he was a random person that they just hired because Rafi knew him at the start, and to have him have a direct connection to the mystery plot that they're setting off seems a little bit cumbersome. Honestly, like space is a big place. Yeah, apparently not. Uh, it's a small world. Small world syndrome. Yeah. I think they call this. It's it's 
very, very convenient that everybody on this ship has a direct connection to everything else that's going on. <laughs> but I mean, I guess that's how, uh, you know, that's, you want your characters to be involved in the story. But, <clears throat> you know, the stuff with Rios, it feels like, like imagine if, if Han Solo at the end of the first Star Wars movie, it, it came out that Han Solo's family was killed by you know uh, uh grand moff tarkin or something you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah where it's like it's just eh, that's not really something you need the characterization was good enough in this case i don't think the character is there so you have to add something to make him matter to the story unfortunately yeah yeah and you know it, it's cumbersome and all that stuff and i i think that the 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 bigger problem with it really is that they this mystery that, or the the like, the revelation that his captain learned, and that Commodore O commanded him his captain to kill the original Dodge and her the other android that was with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's 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 more of this like the the fact that they're building up the mystery to the point where the Romulans and the uh, the the Jat Vasht or whatever are saying like this is such a revelation it'll blow your mind it's it's not really that kind of a revelation you know what i mean it's no. like it's just so it's is so it, how dressed is it, up how is it different than anything that they said about control in discovery i don't know how it's you any know? different from anything that anything has happened in star trek before yeah, like that yeah it's it's pretty generic as far as you know prophecies about the end times go i guess <laughs> well here's here's a um maybe a good way to get into this one is to talk about i when we started doing a uh, modern trek with like discovery and stuff like that i kind of had the opinion i was like you know star trek is just a brand it can kind of do whatever it wants as long as it's branded that way and people will think that it's star trek but it's good to sort of push things in new directions and stuff like that i listened to a um the Ready Room podcast, the latest one that came out, which was about the first five episodes of Picard. And they were fairly critical on it, but they also, I think they started convincing me that my original opinion about what you can do with Star Trek is wrong on some mm-hmm. level. Like that, and it comes down to basically their point that, which I feel makes sense, is that the reason that you have different franchises is because they all have their own rules that they operate sure. by. And yeah. once you start changing the rules of your franchise it no longer is that franchise anymore it loses what makes that franchise an individual unique thing and uh, like Mm -hmm. a unique property and i think that's true but at the same time i wanted to be cautious and not make it sound like i'm just saying like just because they don't use the transporter as much as i want them to do it's not star trek it's it's more fundamental to like the storytelling that they're choosing to do and it comes down to me and probably some people say this is a nitpicky way, but I think it's not. The all of the terminology that the new Treks use is very fantastical. It's it's very like Lord of the Rings stuff, where sure, it, it's sure. like biblical sounding. It's not. They don't go to a single planet that's called like Tyrell Seven or something like that, or you know, they, <laughs> they don't go to like some scientific sounding place and they find this thing that they don't know what it is. Everything is called like the admonition, the artifact. Yeah. The uh-huh. conclave of eights. It's like, yeah. why? Why are the names all this strange, non-Star Trekky sounding stuff that has that honestly has very religious themes to it? It's like a lot of not really hard sci-fi or even sci-fi. It's just kind of this like religious awakening type stuff is always prominent in all of it. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it is. Uh, <clears throat> 
it's it's strange because usually when they would do that traditionally on Star Trek, it was sort of like a unique event. Um, when they would bring that sort of terminology into it, at least the way my memory of it works. Um, I mean, honestly, all I can think about is V'ger, which is just a shortening of Voyager, which sure. works in Star Trek. You know, like V'ger is kind of a funny name, but it comes from a place of not being fantastical. Yeah. Well, you know, you got the uh, uh, whatever the thing is at the end of episode, uh, Star Trek Five. They talk. They talk about where they're going in in, in uh, Shangri La or whatever that's called. Yeah. 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 yeah biblical religious uh, terms in there. Um, and every now and then it comes up, but it's usually kind of like an event, and it and it usually has some sort of direct. That's also built off Cybok, who's playing himself as a prophet. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But and, and but a lot of times there is the uh, clash of it stands out because everything else is so so science fi- science based that when they bring that stuff up it becomes part of the story and that like it's something that they actually talk about right whereas in this I mean they do a little bit they did a little bit of that at the in like the first five episodes or maybe even fewer episodes than that of uh, season two of Discovery when it was like the faith versus whatever um that they kind of dropped faith versus something yeah that they never quite figured out what they were uh, uh, versing yeah but here yeah it just feels a lot more like it's it's just it it feels to me like it's just shorthand for mystery stuff you know you pick like a mysterious sounding name and then that generate that saves you from having to do work to explain why it's it's mysterious and interesting yeah Conclave you know? is a very mysterious word. You know, it's like the conclave. It just sounds so mystical, and like you're like, what that? What's yeah. what's that all about? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's an odd choice, um, especially when there is so much. I mean, maybe it's a conscious choice here because there is sort of like a this very much is in line with a quest story, mm-hmm. um, more than it, than it is a general uh, Star Trek type of story where there is the putting together of your your group, and you know you've got uh, Elnor there who literally <laughs> looks like he's out of Lord of the Rings. You know, there, there and yeah. there there is a lot of fantasy feeling elements to it, so maybe it's on purpose. But mm. if it is, I don't know. I feel like yeah, it kind of undercuts the point of the franchise a little bit. Yeah, it's not it's not the story for this franchise. Or if you want to take it in that direction, it's not it's not done appropriately enough where it's disguising the fantasy aspects as some kind of sci-fi story. Mm-hmm. Um I just find it distracting really and I I I think it just it, it just feeds into like I'm a little bit more limited about what I think Star Trek can do well or what the franchise is kind of built for and what makes it unique. And I what think it that it can do well is accents. Yeah, babe. <laughs> Except for uh, Patrick Stewart doing French, which is intentionally yeah. <laughs> bad, but he still can't do it. Um I don't know. Where where do you want to start with this one? Um did you have anything sort of stuck out at you? I I'm a little bit all over the place just because I think that there are my my main source of relief from this one was just figuring out was what was going on. It's very underwhelming what's going on, I think. Yes. It's it's really not all that interesting what's happening, particularly with the Romulans and stuff. But you, you figure out a whole bunch of little stuff. You figure out why the Borg Cube got shut down, you figure out uh we find out that it was indeed Hughes uh 
Fenris Ranger SOS button. It was not Picard, mm-hmm. so that got resolved. You find out that O is a half Romulan, half Vulcan, which is a nice way to play both sides of the fence on that bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what, what did you think about all that stuff? Uh, all the resolutions, what's your takeaway? Well, the one that had me scratching my head a little bit because I was trying to figure out if I was understanding it correctly. So uh, please let me know if I'm if I'm tracking this right. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> the Jatvash are made up of a very small number of Romulans who can survive this weird brain thing. All women, too, which I don't think all they draw women? attention to, but they're all women in that, yeah. Okay. Which is related to the women of the the other thing. The the uh, the emotional Romulans are all women. The emotional Romulans. The, the Elnor's family. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. So the, you've got the Jatvash, who is a very small number of, of, of people, uh, who I assume operate... Are, are they operating within the purview of, of the Romulan people slash empire? No. My understanding is that they're very black ops, and they're, they, they're like a subsect of Romulan society. That's the only so, way that I think the story makes sense, is if that's how it, it works. Yeah, it has to be the only way. It, it has to be the way, because, yeah, nothing else makes sense. Because I, I, the thing that was confusing me was that at the end, she, they bring out all these ships and stuff, and they beam everybody off. And I, I didn't know if those were Jatvas ships or if they were Romulan, just regular Romulan ships. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the thing that was sticking in my craw a little bit, but I guess it it boils it down to what they're willing to do to stop the synths from the destroyer from coming or whatever, is well, that they actually purposely sacrificed the entire planet of Romulus in order to to get a to get in the hopes that Starfleet would pass a ban. Oh, do you think that's what they did? Or is that is that said in the episode? I, that's not they, my... well. I'm I, I don't think that they caused the supernova, right? But they said that the the Jatvash were behind the attack on Mars, right? Okay, which, I, which I got they you. did, yeah. which they did in order to, I guess, in the hope that the result of that attack would be Starfleet slash the Federation doing a universal ban on synth technology, right? Which, but it also destroys I, the fleet that is going to rescue Romulans. Yeah, which I mean, if you ask me, that's a that's a hail mary pass you're going on <laughs> right there. If you're hoping that like a single attack would would cause right the yeah. complete halt and outlawing of an entire field of research and a, 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 ostensibly a group of people. Yeah. Um, I'm okay. even more. I'm even more upset. I I didn't even I didn't even think about it, but it's. It is cutting your nose to spite your face, really, because it stopped the Romulan rescue. Unless they're so yeah. driven by that that they don't care about the Romulans on the home world. But that's, yeah, it's strange. I mean, you could extrapolate it out and be like, well, you know, log- logistically, uh, it was a sacrifice that they had to make in order to get to make the to save more people, if that's the way yeah. they're thinking of it. Yeah. But still, again, it's like you're... Was there legislation like on the floor already? You know, like at least in the X Men movie, there's like already anti mutant. There's always anti mutant legislation somewhere <laughs> on the floor. So when Magneto uh, blows up a hospital or something, it's ready to go. Right. Whereas yeah. it sounds like this was just like 
okay, let's try this, and hopefully it will cause them to ban synthetics or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. it's f- fine. Uh, sure, it's not like. It's not the biggest problem the show has, I don't think, but it's, it's no. Certainly... It's also like if you told me that five episodes ago, I probably would have been more into it. Mm. You know, like I don't know. Yeah, like what? What was the? What's the? Were you expecting anybody else to be behind it? No, that's that's the thing about the mystery. Like it's 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 the same as what Commodore O is. It's like if you thought that O was kind of a mystery as to what she is, they did the worst job of hiding that mystery that's ever been done in anything. So. You knew from the start that Rafi was correct, and that's why it's difficult to to buy into Rafi as a character at the same time, because she's saying the thing that obviously must have happened, which is that the Romulans are behind the attack. And, yeah. you know, Picard pushes it aside by just saying, that doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? And here you're kind of given the answer, well, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but I guess we're just supposed to believe that the the belief system of the Jat Vasht is so... Um, intense that they're willing to basically kill their planet to stop the androids from coming around. And I mean, this is all narratively, that's all built on this idea that we're going to show you this incredibly rapid, violent montage. And you just have to buy as a viewer that whatever they're seeing is a devastating future that makes people go crazy, basically. Yeah. Which involves apparently that robot from the, uh, Remember the was it the Heineken commercials that had like the robot that would open a bunch of beers on its chest or something? <laughs> it was like it was it was a Super Bowl commercial like ten years ago that blew everybody's minds because it was a really great CGI robot. Yeah, <laughs> it's the one that turns into data. I'm assuming the little white robot. It's, face. it's that guy. It's a cross between that guy and the dancing football robot from Fox. Yeah, right. <laughs> he looks a little bit like um. Well, he has the coloring of that little toy robot that kids used to buy, uh, who's called I something or other, and he would talk to you. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's more, it's, it's, you know, it's built. I, do you think that we're ever going to see what they think the future is going to to be like, or are we just supposed to buy into the fact that it's bad news if the the sense come around to it? Uh, the only way that I can imagine that we see it is if. Sometime in the next two episodes, uh, Commodore O, or who can, can the Romulans do mind melds, or is it just the Vulcans? I think that's why they said she's half Vulcan because they have oh, to fi- okay. they have to make the mind meld possible. Well, okay, I was going to say the only the only way I think we see it is if Picard sees it. Sure, if, so if she it gets to she the- force mind melds on him or something. Yeah, or or something. I'm sure they can fi- figure out a, a way around it that is mm-hmm. mystical or something. You know, who knows? But uh, I I think if Picard sees it, we probably get a better look at it. But is uh, there any way that showing that is a good idea for the writers? You know what I mean? Like you've promised if, you've promised everything here, and if you show me that like androids throw a bomb down a Klingon well, I'll be like, <laughs> what what is this? Like, why are they right. so scared of that? Yeah, I think it would have to be less it would have to be something that's meaningful to the viewer and to Picard if that's the case. Yeah. Like if if he if he gets his mind melded or something this wouldn't make any sense obviously, but if he gets the mind meld thing done and all of a sudden it turns out the destroyer is like lore or something. Right. You yeah. know, like something like that. I that then it would be worth showing, but otherwise, yeah, I don't think it really adds much except to be like, yeah, 
bombs are pretty bad. <laughs> you, you know, it's been nice, though. A lot of the fan theories are turning out not to be true, which is a great Thank relief, God. I think, which is maybe not to be maybe to be expected that a lot of them are wrong. But at the same time, fans, fan theories maybe tend to think too big, almost. You know, like they tend yeah. to put a lot of like, well, this is going to be a universally ground-shaking call all the recurring characters that we've ever seen back for a thing. And it never really seems to work out that way. Um, yeah, they always go like big in a way that doesn't even really narratively make any sense. Yeah, so every every now and then you get one that ends up being like right on the line and and, and plausible. But like uh, on the Red Letter Media coverage early on, I I don't know if he was serious, but I think Mike is the main guy. I think uh, was speculating that um, Dodge and Soji were actually cues. Yes, and, is that right? And he was ta- and he was talking about how he thought that they were part of the Q Collective or something, and I was like, "That's <laughs> that's just yeah." Uh, there's really nothing to back that up narratively. That's happening here. No, um, there's been a lot of Q speculation. I just don't see how Q beyond the fact that you're a fan and you want to see Q. I don't see how Q would ever fit into this story at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless he sh- honestly, great stinger for the last episode if Q shows up at the end. Right, he snaps his fingers and saves it. Yeah, if they have the. Uh, no, I'm talking like he would be the 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 uh, the Enterprise shot from the first season. Of uh, he, he, just, he kind of flies into like, space. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's like they do the thing where they save everything and everything's yeah, yeah. kind of like winding down, and then all of a sudden, you know, Picard turns around and there's Q and his throne with his stupid cl- yep. uh, crypt, planet Krypton hat. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, to be continued. John Luke. It's it's time, or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, it's I I don't know. Uh, it's really difficult to to uh, again. I think Allison Pill is doing the 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 a lot of the legwork to make any of this even remotely um, relatable. Yeah, because she's the only one who's acting as though she's witnessed the end of the world via synthetic life forms and is reacting as such. Yeah. Um. But aside from that, it's like yeah, it, you start throwing around these words like. You know, Conclave of Eight, no, the Destroyer, and blah 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 blah. Unless she, I mean, unless she turns the only Destroyer I want to see is the one that turns into the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, mm-hmm. Galactus. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, <laughs> hell yeah. I mean, if the if you get to the last episode and it turns out that like Soji transforms into Galactus, or, or she's the Silver up. Surfer, basically. Yeah, like she's the, that would be amazing. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent there for that. I um. The pill thing is fine. Allison pill thing is fine. I I didn't like the little clumpy thing they they had to sneak it in. She's like, I she also gave me a psychic block so I wouldn't talk about it with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> That's I mean, like, did she give her the cliff notes? Because everybody else who sees this thing blows their own brains out. Or yeah, like rips except their for Nerissa. Nerissa's strong yeah. enough to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Why didn't we see that stuff like early on? Like that should have been. I feel like if we got that. The the episode that directly after she was introduced, it would make the stuff she was doing feel a lot less pointless. Nerissa, you mean not Alice yeah. Pill? Yeah, no, yeah, Nerissa. Because I, I, I think you could open the series with that scene of seeing the vision and the the Romulans of the Jatvash doing that little ceremony that they have. That could sure. be the thing yeah, that opens the series. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it's information that I don't know why that they why they held on to for so long because yeah it's not really adding anything and also oh god 
<sighs> when they were like, this happened 200,000 years ago. And it's so there was 200,000 years ago, there was a, a civilization that created sentient robots. Yes. Which then they passed the you know, point of no return, and then they killed everybody? Yes, and your options there are they either killed everybody, including themselves, or they still exist somehow, right? Sure. I mean, it can't just be the Borg, right? I wouldn't assume so. The The Borg seemed too... Um, rudimentary? Rudimentary for that, yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. like, I... that That's why the the reveal that the, the aunt of Nerissa who got Borgified and caused the cube to shut down. The reason that she shut down the cube is as simple as they say here, that her like her immense grief basically overpowered the cube and it shut it yeah, off. Sure. And, you know, that's fine. But I think that my, and this is maybe not fair because it's all personal, but I, I was, I was thinking that there must be some bigger link than that to cause the Borg cube to be deactivated. So I thought that her knowing of this previous history would somehow, cause like a logic loop or something in the Borg, you know, that they're like, mm-hmm. how can we exist if this is blah, 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 whatever. But it, it doesn't seem to be anything as complicated as that, which is maybe a nice segue into the Borg here. The Borg are my own personal blue balls in this story. Oh, I, dude. I'm so disappointed with oh, what the Borg God. are doing here. You have no idea. Like, I was actually so ready. I was so excited when she became... When, oh when she God. said we are the Borg, when Seven hooks up to the uh, the you know the little Doctor Octopus thing and says we are the it's Borg, nice, it's nice those things could plug into her back through her jacket without <laughs> breaking the material. <laughs> yeah, no, that was like that's what I, I said at the beginning, where they they almost did something interesting with Seven of Nine, and then they just sucked everybody out into space, and then she's like, well. I guess I'm not Borg. You know, <laughs> like, why Why would you go that close and then not, like, you would have had people, like, standing up and clapping if you got five minutes of Borg just tearing through these dudes. I know. I don't, like, I, in that regard, I think that there are serious budget issues uh, here yeah. where they're spending hey, so man, much on. They did it on TNG just fine. They did, but I think that the I think that the overall set design here costs more money than TNG's set design did. So sure, sure. The fact that they add these like computer graphics to everything and no one can push a button, they have to like twirl lights with their fingers, mm-hmm. is just adding up the cost of you could have built this like five dollar plywood thing, right, and just have them push the buttons on it. <laughs> but instead, they do all this other stuff, and we we haven't. We haven't seen a, like, quote-unquote, real Borg in this series. We've seen the Correct. ex-Borgs, but we have not seen a normal Borg just sort of kind of walking around. And it, I have a lot of problems with the Seven story. I think that, like, first of all, if you're going to look at this as a Seven, like, if someone that is familiar with Seven, I think, when I made it to the halfway point and she did that thing where she hooked up to the Borg, I was ready to walk away from the episode going... Well, I have to give these guys credit because they did something that thoroughly undermines a character that everyone seems to love. Like her just right. kind of going back and becoming a Borg again is very problematic, I think, for that character that took seven, four seasons of get, trying to get away from that whole thing. And yeah. the the biggest problem to me is that if you were going to do this with Seven, Seven has to be a main cast star in this series from the beginning. Mm. You know, you can't just... 
you can't just bring her in for two episodes and have this dramatic thing where I think the biggest problem, as much as I loved it just because I was so excited by the fact that something was going to happen on the cube, I, I don't get the good sense from this story that it was a last resort for her to do this. It, right, it, it felt right. like she went in willing and she was very willing and able to hook up again. She gives a few cursory glances of like, I hope I don't have to do this for real. I hope this is going to work out. But it, it just didn't, for the gravitas of what it meant for her to do that, I really don't think that the show nailed it. And then they ultimately just kind of back out of it by the end where she's just like, nah, forget it about it. I, have to, I don't want to do this anymore and unplugs herself. Yeah, and it seemingly has no repercussions. Right, which, and, we, and we just had these episodes talking about how brutal unlinking from the collective is for these people. Yeah, yeah, it's the whole Borg story they're telling is how brutal it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's really unfortunate because I think they could have done something really interesting with her from, from that regard or in that regard. Um, but yeah, they don't pay that off and they don't... Like, it's not even, you know, I'm sure you could argue that her backing out of it makes more sense than her not backing out of it or whatever. It's truer to the character that she does back out of it at the end. I will I, I will agree which, with you there, yeah. Which is totally fine. However, I don't think it should just be as easy as going like, but I guess I'm done here and then I'm plugging, you know? Right, yeah. It's, it, it, if well, that was my point about Hugh. If, if, if she had did this as a grand sacrifice, right, that works for me. It, right. If she if she did what I was thinking Hugh was going to do, but she actually does it here, which is to go back into the collective to kind of save the day and maybe take the cube and enter it into a transwarp thing and just shoot it off somewhere so it's not a threat to anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me as a seven of nine storyline, but the way that they did it here doesn't make it a sacrifice and it doesn't make it seem like it has any gravitas to it. Or, and I mean, you know, I, I would put money on uh wherever they end up and get attacked by the romulans <clears throat> i think we have a better chance of seeing uh 7 of 9 showing up driving the uh borg cube down the death star trench yeah. to blow up yeah. vader's ship than that we too. do seeing yeah. than we do seeing uh any starfleet ships but uh with that in mind i was going to say um you could you could pull the thing where it's like it's the last resort for her to hook up to the Borg thing. It's the thing she doesn't want to do, but she has to do it in order to to X, Y, and Z. But in doing so, <clears throat> since this is a cube that is like not connected to the Borg consciousness or collective or whatever, she ends up now being empowered and given new uh agency and materials to aid her in her helping of other Borg. Right. Other ex-Borg, you know, which yeah. is essentially kind of what we were saying with Hugh. And I think that would be because, <clears throat> you know, she ends up having to go back to the place that causes her the most, mo- the most amount of damage in her life, but she comes out the other end with actually even stronger than she was before. Right. Takes advantage. Um, she takes the power back from her yeah. enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Now she's using the Borg technology she's been running from her whole life in order to help save other people who are in her who are in her situation. Yeah. That'd that, be nice. That can still happen. I think there's sure. still room for it that. Can, yeah. But it's. I don't think it's going to have a lot of weight to it. No, if it because does. of the right. Because of the. I feel like it's not a story that you can back off of and then go back into it later on. It feels like once yeah. she's hooked in, that kind of is the thing from that point on. Yeah. So I like. Why don't they, they could have had seven, uh, you know, she hooks into the thing, does whatever. And then, uh, Elnor's like, Hey, you, we got to go, we got to get out of this. And she can't, she can't let go. So then he has to 
you know, do some give some uh, uh, absolute candor speech or some bullshit as to why she needs to help Picard. Yeah. And which gives which grounds her enough that they can go help. And then at the end, she's like, oh, I actually realized I'm a lot more, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think that would be that would be really satisfying a lot more. But you don't get that if she's just like if they cut to her driving driving the Borg cube by like stick shift mm-hmm. at the end and just blowing up Romulan ships at the end, which yeah. I wouldn't put it past them to do. Um, you would have mentioned before in a previous episode what the opposite of Chekhov's gun is. I think I think the name is Romulan badge at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <Let's>, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe they never did anything with that. <laughs> Why did, oh. They had a five-minute scene with the guy describing how shit was going to go bad, and you need to get the fuck out of there the minute you see these badges go off, and they apparently are not going to do anything with it. We'll see. We could be wrong, but this seemed like the moment to do something with it. Yeah. I, it, there's is there's nobody left on the cube to do it to. Right, yeah. Unless they come back to life and start hunting Seven and Elnor or something, but... Yeah, the Romulans have th- the badges. Like, why would they have the badges? You're never going to see yeah. those badges again. Yeah. I feel like you missed your opportunity. I, I'm really disappointed by that whole, like, I, just the, 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 the most excitement I felt from the series, honestly, was her hooking up and the Borg, the cube starting to come back. And they even have lines, the yeah. guy's like, oh, Jesus, like, the thing is, like, reactivating, like, what are we going to do? But it all feels so rushed, and it feels like the kind of event that you could have legitimately built an entire episode around, if all the characters are on the sure. cube. And yeah. it's so quick, and so silly, and so... Just the way that once Seven powers up and says, we are the Borg, and then Nerissa's like, just open the window and suck them all out into space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, Nerissa is too... Uh, I don't want to say she's too good at her at her job, but she's got... She has... Uh, um, <laughs> this sounds, this sounds uh, regressive, but she's, she has uh, extra human capability in place of characterization. Mm-hmm. So she's supposed to be good she, at her job. Would you disagree? Yeah, yeah, I guess she is. I guess she's good at her job, you know, to some extent. I mean, she's but very lucky that you can just open the Borg cube and suck all yeah, the guys. Yeah, I guess. Space. I guess what I'm what I'm looking for is that she's got. She's never put in a situation really where she's at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that doesn't make her a stronger villain to me. It just makes her boring she never finds her she never uses her super intellect to find her way out of a problem situation it's always kind of even here where it's just like she's like what are we going to do are we going to poison these borg are we going to like strangle them one by one and the guy's like how about we just open the door she says oh <laughs> it's like yeah. good good idea it's sure. just it's yeah, too easy really yeah you know all of this goes back to the thing i've been saying for a few episodes now where the Borg cube as a destination should have been a much bigger deal. Mm-hmm. It should have been the thing, even if you want to say, like, let's say the first half of the season or whatever. Eh, you probably need a little bit more time than that. But it should have been the place that Picard was driving towards that he knew he had to go. And then all of this stuff comes into, you know, comes together at the cube. And so then you've got Picard on the cube filled with Borg, trying to get Soji or whatever, and then you need Seven of Nine there to plug into the thing. Picard was was happy that people were there, not Borg, but now the actual Borg are coming back to life, so that's pretty scary. Yep. And, yep. you know, like, it should... The, the escape from the Borg cube should have been, like, the end of Act Two 
in the in the like the big crescendo at the end of Act Two in the right. story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. it ended up just being sort of a hi, hello, let's get out of here. But we're not going to abandon the. I don't know. It's just it, it just it's been very unsatisfying. It has, and it started with such promise. It was the most promising aspect early on, but it's just kind of slowly fallen apart piece by piece. Um, yeah, I just I even in a narrative sense, like to not use the Borg and the XBs that remain on there to sort of show Seven's point of view a little bit more. Like you're kind of in this weird contrast where once she, when she hooks up, right. And the, the, we are the Borg thing powers on at that point, you're kind of stuck because seven feels bad that the Borg are sucked out into space. Right. But, yep. but we know, and she should know on some level that that's, the best thing that can happen for everybody on the cube, right? Like sure. uh, reactivating the Borg as they are is bad news. And the, the, it's not like the series has done a good job of demonstrating that you can sort of heal the Borg. It's really just said that if you shut them down and you disconnect the people from it, you can save the people, but it hasn't gone to convince me that the Borg themselves are not a galactic threat to everybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can make the argument that she's plugged into the thing, so she is now part of them again, so she would react that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, why can she control the X, XBs? Uh, can't she? I, I I assumed that's what she was... After they all got sucked out, the XBs then started like beating the shit out of all the Romulans. Oh, I, I just thought that, was... that they were mad because of what the Romulans did to... <clears throat> oh, maybe it was. It it read, it read played to me like she was in control of them, but it wouldn't really make a lot of sense if that was the case. Yeah, I think that they were just kind of upset about it. I mean, the, the XBs are in a strange position, too, because they're this concept, right? But every time we've seen them they don't act like individual people. Like when Narissa had them standing up to be executed one by one, they would just stand there and get shot. It's not like they tried to run away yeah. or anything. So you don't yeah. really know what they are as characters. Are they automatons? Are they just Borg without mechanical pieces on them? Are they people who are actually like want to live a free life or something? It's a little bit confused. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it's just another, another stack on the, on the, I don't have a good metaphor ready. Uh, it's 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 just another um, instance of them really burying the lead of what the best idea in this show is. Mm. You know, it's, instead of it being more about uh, like there's such a and maybe they maybe they swing back to this at the end of the uh, the season or something to you know make it seem like it was in their minds, but they didn't feel like focusing on it. But clearly. Clearly, the th- among you know, you said last episode the theme of the show is regret. There's also clearly a theme of uh, helping helping those that you think d- that's are are rejected by uh, the populace yeah. by the majority. And I think that XBs are a perfect way to feed that into the theme. Um, you know, especially with Picard, because with Picard. You know, you've got the stuff with the Romulans and the stuff with the synths. Yeah, that's a no-brainer that he's gonna he's gonna be like, yeah, we have to help the synths because my you know some of my best friends are synths. Yeah, but when it comes to the Borg and the XBs, he has a legitimate prejudice against that. So that's a much harder sell. You would think it's a much harder sell for him 
than it is than uh, um, than saving Data's daughter would be. Right. So if they haven't, they had an opportunity to kind of play with that, and they didn't really go into it at all. Yeah, and I, the more the more I think about it, the more I'm you start to see the um, the guest star aspect of this i think is impacting the narrative in some ways because if you honestly think about it there's no reason that seven is not just the borg reclamation director the entire time and there's no hue in this story right sure yeah because vice versa i mean it could have just been hue the whole time it could have just been hue i i think yes and i think that the i think the series was interested in maximizing its star power it's like star returning power that you could do so they inserted both of them into it but honestly if it's just Hugh or Seven in that role from the start, it's what I was talking about with Hugh, which is that they're doing something and then they kind of realize that the only way to stop what the Romulans are doing is to reassimilate themselves. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. instead, you just have this kind of awkward handoff where you have to explain Seven has this Fenris Ranger badge that she can come and right. get you for. And yeah. Hugh has one. And then she shows up after Hugh is dead. And then she just kind of takes his place. And they even mention in the script that she was the ex-director of this place. And... Do they say that? They do. They say that we've found Elnor in the previous director's office, which is hers, I'm assuming. Oh. Unless they're talking about Hugh in the past tense. Maybe? Yeah, I... I, I... I guess I didn't catch that. I might might totally be wrong. I don't know if that means... I don't know if that means uh, Seven specifically, but... You think they just might be talking about Hugh being dead, that they're saying it's it's the previous director's office? It could be. But they also they also have some weird dialogue, <clears throat> excuse me, um, with Hugh and uh, sorry with Elnor and Seven in the Queen Chamber, where he's like, "So this is where the Queen would stay," and she's like, "The Queen's never been here," and he's like, "So would she come here sometimes?" And she's like, "No, she's never been to this cube." <laughs> and so I don't I don't know what that dialogue was about. Yeah, yeah. Except maybe implying that yes seven used to run the cube or i don't yeah. know it's a, it's very strange now you know i think <clears throat> if they really wanted to maximize their their pathos and and drama and star power have them both have seven and and hugh and have them be a couple and mm. they both work or maybe not necessarily they don't have to be a couple but have them both working on the reclamation thing and they have like a really close connection with each other yeah so then eventually one of them has to reassimilate or hook themselves back up to the cube, and which is a fucking huge deal. And as for the other one, and so you get that big moment of you know watching watching the the one that you love or whatever get pulled back into the thing that that's been destroying. Yeah, you've been them trying that, to get that, them away from. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that the thing that brought you both together in the first place. That kind of thing. I think that would have been really effective. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely true. Um, we've talked about the Borg for enough. We talked about Rios. I mean, the other aspect is just kind of, I, I don't mind the Picard talking to Soji stuff in this. There's a lot of characters talking to each other in this episode, yeah. which is not necessarily bad. Some of it's pretty good. Um, the, we, we just did a, uh, we just did a TNG revisit on Patreon where we watched an old episode and we were commenting in that one about how, different the characters act particularly picard in the tng series is much more of a we were saying that he's much more of a performance from patrick stewart as opposed to this picard which feels more like it's just patrick stewart being himself on this star trek show mm-hmm. um when he's talking about data i 
I just feel that the conversation they have about whether or not Data and Picard love each other is a very strange Star Trek conversation to be having. Like, I, It is? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, th- that's pretty much it. It's just... It's not that I think that it's wrong or inappropriate for those characters, but at the same time, when you view the TV show, it would feel like your boss ten years down the line going, "I really loved Wes." Like if my if you know, like it's just <laughs> they have a relationship, but it didn't feel it didn't feel like a love relationship. Like love is almost too strong a word for me, or something. And and how you well, define it, I, I don't know. How do you feel about it? Well, I actually liked that scene because they it felt like they were conscious of that because he when uh when she's asking him those questions and she's like, "What do you think what do you hope data would say about you from his own eyes?" and he's like, "He I hope he would think I was punctual and uh <laughs> always uh ready to listen and had an agenda that, in place." Yeah. Yeah, had an agenda in place and that uh, I wasn't too hard on him when he did crazy robot shit. You know, it's it's never he never he never really speaks about data in lovey dovey tones. And I th- actually thought it was kind of an interesting change from the way he talks about him at the beginning of the series. Yeah, because yeah. he's a lot more in the beginning of the series. He's a lot more like, oh, he was someone who's very very dear to me, and blah 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 blah. And then when he's like confronted about it directly, he's like, I we we work together. <laughs> <laughs> Which I kind of enjoyed because I feel like that's more accurate. Where it's like, yeah, it's yeah, he's he's dear to me because he saved my life. But it's like, yeah, we were kind of we were colleagues. Mm. Good work, friends. You know, it's like yeah, it's like a, a a war buddy who takes a bullet for you. It's like yeah, you know, I met him in basic training and he was a cool dude and he gave his life for me, so I'll never forget it. But I I don't know where he lives. Yeah, I I I don't mean I don't mean to down underplay that stuff because obviously that's. It can be very intense. I th- I just think that for as much of as much as the series thinks that the sh- it's about data and Picard going off to sort of avenge data or do this for data, it, it doesn't feel like we've had enough of that. Like I'm I'm frankly kind of surprised by how little data has been in the series. Really, like I yeah I expected recurring dream sequences with data from yeah, Picard, and yeah, that has not happened. So what little you see of him. It's one of those things, like, if you were a person new to this series, I think you would think that the data stuff is, like, bizarre and horrible, really. Like, <laughs> why does he keep talking about this guy, kind of? He talked yeah. about him once, and then he talks about him here. And that's maybe not fair to hold against the show, but I, I, I think it's more to the fact that I don't know if the show is really doing enough with that storyline. It's I, And I know that the show is overstuffed to this point. Like, there's a lot going on, but that, to me, felt integral like it was the core of what picard was doing and Mm. the regret theme is built off of like how he regrets what happened to data but they haven't really haven't really broached it in any way and when they do broach it they have the very on the nose raffi scene where she's like john luke what do you know about soji and and picard (laughs) and the audience go we don't know jack shit about soji i guess that's the problem i wanted to i was gonna bring that up because it seemed to me like uh, somebody's note card actually accidentally slipped and fell into the script. Right. And, and just she memori- Michelle heard it, memorized it by accident, just says it. Yeah. Because, because that's what I've been saying for the entire entirety of the series, and you can't answer that question. <laughs> but I guess it's intentional, you know, like... I guess? That it's, 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 
it's a bad save at that point because I think that it just <clears throat> if it is supposed to be the case that you don't know anything about her and it might just be a weird coincidence that Jean-Luc Picard the character does not know anything about her but we're supposed mm. to know something about her but that's not how it's worked out over the course of eight episodes. Yeah, if that's if that's intentional that's that's not great storytelling I right. don't think. Right. It can be intentional all you want but it doesn't mean that it's a desired effect that you're getting yeah. from it. What I what I actually really did like about that scene with with Soji and Picard was um, when she has that uh, that line where she where she says something about um, her memories not feeling like her own and is you know is there any is there any way for you to understand what's what that's like and then you get the little hint of the the theme which we learned recently is actually from Inner Light. And yeah, the the, uh, the opening co- the the theme song of Picard is from opening or uh, inner light. If people are unaware, which only which took a long time for people to realize. I know. I'm surprised. Usually, people are on that immediately. Um, I think it's because it's not the thing that he plays in Inner Light. It's no, the it's thing in the background. Sun plays. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually pretty interesting of an interesting choice. But it's um, and you know, then he's after the as they're playing that he says something to the effect of like, "Yeah, I, I actually have a, a pretty good idea of what that's like." I thought that was a, a nice callback because you know Picard, in that way, is uniquely equipped to uh, sympathize with her state because of going through something similar in that episode. Yeah, and I, I thought they were going to tie it into the Borg aspect somehow. His mm. experience as a Borg, uh, like he. He, he he could have a line about like having the memory of all the other Borg that from that are still with him or something like that. They've never mm-hmm. really gotten into it, but I felt it would have been appropriate to bring up at that point. But yeah, they 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 don't. And I, the Soji it's thing kinda, continues to be weak. It's kind of interesting that they went with Inner Light when they established the Borg thing as something that weighs heavily on his mind with that conversation with Seven, right? A few episodes yeah, ago. The, the, but I guess yeah. you know the Inner Light thing is less depressing it's a little bit more touching and less uh violation yeah. i suppose yeah. yeah 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 although you know soji what soji's going through is is essentially a, a violation mm-hmm. you know so yeah, it works well whatever either way is there anything else we're not talking about in this one or are we just going to wrap it up at this point um you know i still don't and i i know this has become like a hot button issue for people for some reason of like it being an excuse for not liking the show, I still don't like the swearing in the show. Yeah, I, I felt it very much in this episode. I felt that There's this so one much had of it. some swearing that was completely not purposeful in it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hate to sound like a... Pr- if you listen to this show, you know I'm not averse to foul language. Mm. It's just, it feels so out of place to me. And apparently the the admiral only knows how to swear in the car, <laughs> which I think is just funny. <clears throat> but it's it. Good. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it either feels incredibly intentional, which is awkward, or it feels so flippant that you're like, this doesn't belong in Star Trek because the, right. the Clancy one is one that feels very intentional and very strange, as you would say it, and then. Uh, I think Girardi, Agnes, drops in a very unnecessary F-bomb later on for no reason. Yes, yeah. She's just kind of like, yeah, what the fuck are we going to do about it? And it's like, that's right. and that's what it is. And it doesn't feel like it has a purpose. And it just feels like they're they're being sort of edgy. And like, I, it's another thing that I'm kind of coming around to. I know that there are other Star Trek podcasts that are 
um, sort of more aggressively fans than I consider myself to be. But, you know, as people with kids who are disappointed that they can't show Discovery or Picard to their kids because they have scenes like Klingons getting disemboweled and people bashing their heads in with rocks and stuff. And I didn't think that was a big deal, but I, I think it is just because it's, again, it's not what the show has ever always been about. Right. Like, it's had yeah. violence in it, but it's never just been that kind of gratuitous smash your face with a rock kind of violence. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've i been feeling the same way, too, because it's like I put Star Trek more or less in the same wheelhouse as Doctor Who. And if characters on Doctor Who started saying, like, we, we got to get to the fucking TARDIS or whatever, <laughs> it, it would it would feel out of place and weird and you wouldn't feel good about it because Doctor Who is the kind of science fiction show that you can watch as an adult, you can watch as a kid, and you can watch with your kid if you're an adult. Yeah. So it's – and I feel like Star Trek is the same, generally the same kind of show. Um, It's not really – it's never been the kind of franchise that – becomes more mature as its audience matures. Right. Because the audience is so multi-generational. So it's I, I find it interesting that they've chosen to go that route. Yeah, it's just got to be... Especially, especially with, again, I don't want to sound like a, a prude or anything, but especially with how much in the weeds of sex and violence and swearing like every other show on TV is. Right. It's almost a breath of fresh air to see a show that's like a solid a solid uh PG thirteen, but isn't isn't going overboard into R rated territory. And so you can kind of feel it's like it's just it I think it stands out in that way when they don't do that with shows. Yeah. It, it it's an example of to me it feels very much like a studio note on things they're like we need to get edgier like we need to that's why O was wearing those sunglasses right exactly we had star trek had to get cooler do you remember those ray-ban commercials where there was vampires like hanging out on the beach and then the sun is coming up and then they uh someone has like fake ray-bans and and he turns into dust and the other vampires laugh and go it looks like somebody forgot their (laughs) ray-bans yeah (laughs) i do i do remember those yes um I, I the the swearing is just it, it feels like an attempt to make the show, uh, more, you know, it, it's the cliche that everything is becoming a little bit more dark and edgy and like sort of cynical and stuff like that. And it feels like an, it's, it's an attempt to do that. It's almost like a a person not familiar with Star Trek is kind of like, well, this I I you know, guys, we got this new series coming back, and I watched a couple episodes of TNG. Got to tell you, I thought it was a little cheesy, a little bit dated. Like let, let's have characters swear in this show and stuff yeah. like that and make it more modern. Yeah. You know, I I love Quentin Tarantino, and I would love to see what Quentin Tarantino Quentin Tarantino would do with Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But when they were talking about how that supposed movie was going to be like rated R, and in my head I'm thinking like, do I really want to see Scotty explaining to a Romulan general like the racist undertones <laughs> of where the Romulans came from, and you, you know, dropping the N word and stuff? I don't want to see that. It's I, not, yeah. It doesn't work for me. It surprised me because I, I maybe I was I like Tarantino. Maybe I was giving him credit, but I I thought that he would have been true to the series, but the content would have been R rated for some reason. But it wouldn't have been in a Tarantino dialogue kind of way. Yeah, like he, I would hope so. Yeah, because that would seem like, that would seem strange. Yeah, I would feel like I hope that he would be self aware enough to realize that maybe you keep 
the Sam Jackson dialogue for the next movie and yeah. not the Star Trek movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else about this one? Or are we pretty much done? I think I'm pretty much done with that. We covered everyone else's kind of minor roles in this one. Is either, you know, you learn a little bit about Girati, you learn a bit about Soji and all that stuff, and it ends mm-hmm. with them going through the transwarp drive and they're going to find the Conclave of Eight or whatever that planet is. We, uh, we actually did see a Starfleet ship in this episode. Which one did we say? In Rios's uh, Federation locker box, there's the picture pulls, of one, as, right? The old, yeah. He pulls out, he pulls out a bunch, a bunch of other stuff, and on one of the things he pulls out is like a schematic drawing of whatever the ship was that he was on. Yes, that uh, uh, ethnic name. Uh, it sounded like it was like a Arab. <laughs> it sounded like it was an Arabic name ship or something. Yes, um, I don't remember what it is, but. Yeah, they they do, the, but the, you don't see a um, don't see a real ship, but you do see the no, schematic no. drawing of a starship, and they and promised again, us a fleet of ships, but yes. I don't think we're going to see them. Yeah, again, Blue Ball City. They're like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to Deep Space Twelve. Oh, cool, we're going to get to see what the thirty year uh, version of a Deep Space place looks like. Yeah, and we're going to send a fleet of ships to meet you there. Oh, fantastic! This is going to be great. And then they're like, ah, let's not go there. Let's jump forty million light years. <laughs> to the conclave of eight so we can figure out how who drove dragged eight sons together yeah yeah Uh, again it's a fantasy thing i mean that's a doctor who thing that is a hundred percent a doctor who plot it's i guess it all comes down to explanation because they do have those tng episodes like the dyson sphere which is someone built a planet around a sun and it's enormous and they're kind of amazed by it but it's just the it really comes down to me to the description of it. Like you can have this fantasy thing, but if you describe very like scientifically and dryly how they made this thing, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel as ridiculous as two people towed a put a tractor beam on a sun and they pulled it over here and yeah. parked it next to another one. Yeah. Like I feel like the uh uh the the living learning planet from season two of Discovery, at least they kind of tried to explain that a little bit. Right. And I feel like that at least so far plays better than they someone dragged eight stars together in order to leave a let other a, people a, know about it yeah. yeah 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 i don't know man it's yeah it's it's the my my biggest problem with this show is they've really made it difficult for me to care about anything that's happening mm-hmm. i just don't because everything is plot. It's there's no characters that that really make me care. And like when when I get close, they don't end up doing anything interesting with them. It's just plot, 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 and it's just not interesting to me. Do they frighten you? I'd be a fool if they did. Something far worse is coming, Centurion. If I fail in my work. Let's call it a day there. We've talked for an hour. Thank you guys for listening. You can support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you are so inclined, a couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. 
And as always, our Captain Tier supporters get a shout-out. Special thanks go to Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Captain Court, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouth, Darth Moth, uh, David Beardmore, David Kay, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, Jacob123, Jeffrey Koch, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Mad Courier 6, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Owens, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean, Stephen Minton, Tark Latif, Tom Howes, Vault 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Much appreciated. And I think that's it. We, um, we got the next two, there's two episodes left in Star Trek Picard, and that'll be good, and then we'll be over with that. I have to say, they've stopped putting the trailers for the next episode at the end of this one. Have you? Did you watch the trailer for the next episode? Yeah, it was on the end of the episode. Was it? Mine, mine don't yeah. come up that way. Well, I don't know. I downloaded it on my tablet. Maybe that's why. Oh, yeah, that might be it, yeah. That might, that might be getting it right. But I, I looked it up. That's actually it's a fairly underwhelming trailer, which is surprising to yeah. me. But I was it's a lot of them driving on a ship looking at stuff in space and <laughs> and then it looks like they then, crash on the planet. Then the lights in the ship go out for some reason. Yeah. It's it, it'll yeah, be strange. Um, it's We'll see it, what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Can't judge anything. I was I was surprised by how low energy it looked or something or just it looked a Can little I, strange. Going into the uh, nine and ten are like a two-parter, right? It's like a two-part finale. Yes, it's part one, part yeah. two. Yep. Do is what are you looking forward to going into the finale? Like what what are you hoping will pay off? What are you hoping will like? What are you excited to see in the last two episodes of this season, if anything? Honestly, not much because the Borg thing is over at this point, yeah. and that's what I was kind of looking forward to. I mean, if they, I don't think they're going to. But I would like to see their attempt at explaining what the old androids did to the universe. I think mm-hmm. would be like at at least I at least feel like I'm being teased and I need to know that. But character wise, I don't, even Picard. I I just I don't see him ending in some drastically different spots. I just see him completing the mission and then going back home or something. Yeah. And none of the other characters are really. I don't care what would happen to Rios. I don't care what would happen to Rafi. I don't care what happens to Jurati. Um, so I'm in kind of a tough spot with the remaining two episodes. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same. I don't. I'm not really sure what there is to really look forward to. I mean, the the lead into this is that they're going to the synth homeworld, but I don't even really know what that means. Yep. Um, and they've made no inclination that, unless I missed it. Is the synth homeworld separate from Bruce Maddox's house? Oh. Or is it supposed to be his house? I I would have assumed before you started me thinking about it that they're the same planets, but they might not be. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. And I if like if if there if this is a different planet than that, and this is the synth quote unquote synth homeworld, then I guess that implies that Maddox didn't build these synths. They well, were Maddox, from something else. Maddox couldn't have gone there because he would have no way to travel that far, right? I don't know. I mean, does he have one of those uh, transwarp drives, Corellian portal things they walk through on the Borg cube? No, I don't. No, think they must be going to a different planet than where they grew up. But that doesn't make any but sense. But that's the place. But that's the place that was in her mind in the dream, and that's where Narek is chasing them at the end of this episode, too. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. Like, is, is that implying that Maddox didn't actually build them? 
and that <laughs> they are pre-existing synths from some. I don't like. I don't know. Or, I don't, yeah, or he just know. showed up at that planet and used like the technology a, that already existed or something. Maybe is it like a planet-wide version of J.F. Sebastian's house in Blade Runner, where it's like a bunch of different <laughs> toys and robot people walking around? I don't know what to expect, and I, I don't mean that in a good way. Yeah, like yeah. I, I'm not going into that going like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens because I literally don't know what is going on. Or what I should be looking forward to. Yeah, it's tough. There's only two episodes left. We'll see what they can do with it. And then uh, we'll cast our final judgments on Star Trek Picard. We'll have some final thoughts and all that stuff. So thank you guys for listening. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. You can check out all the social media down below. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. The Discord channel. If you want to join the conversation as these things happen, you can join the Discord. There'll be a link down below. And I think that's pretty much it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Um... No, not really. We've got a new Rotten Horror Picture Show coming out this following this coming Tuesday. We'll be doing uh, Starry Eyes, which is a very cool horror movie from 2013, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by the guys who directed the Pet Cemetery remake and starring the woman who played Wendy Torrance in Doctor Sleep. Um, so it's a cool movie. Check it out and come check out the podcast. Yep. Thepenskefile.com. You can find that podcast there. And then the week after we have our final Oscars for Real Ripe and Real Rotten, we did a uh, marriage story on Netflix with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, which Clay enjoyed thoroughly. Um, we are you son of a bitch. <laughs> you're done. Talking- Every day, Wes, <laughs> I get on this discord <laughs> and I hope that you're dead. I, I hope that if, if I could make it certain that the podcast was okay, and that you died. <laughs> it would be the best day of my life. Hold on. I need to go awkwardly punch the wall here. There we go. Done. <laughs> you know, I was reading. I'm sorry. This is the wrong podcast for that. But I was reading he did that like 57 times or something. Oh, really? <laughs> so maybe, maybe that's why the one they use, he looks like he's kind of not tender. really giving it everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, check out Marriage Story. It's on Real Ripe and Real Rotten. You can check out Starry Eyes. It's coming out in a couple days. And then let us know what you think about the latest episode of Picard and where you think the series is going to end up in a couple episodes. So thanks very much for listening. We'll see you later.